You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Back inside the Musicians Guild, I'm your host Steve Choi, and as always, I thank you for being here and I thank you for listening. Hope everybody's been doing well. Uh, hope everybody's been staying peaceful and happy through our next transitional period. Although this transition looks to be heading towards happier times, more familiar times, you never know. Because these sort of things, especially events that affect large groups of people, uh, are complex not only in how they begin, but how they play out for everybody. I got my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine last Monday. I felt fine. Had a little tenderness in the injection spot, which was no big deal until I got hit point blank in the arm right on that spot with a soccer ball in which case it kind of evolved into a full-on arm soreness but other than that uh, I felt fine that soreness was gone by the next day Uh, most active people I know really didn't have any sort of side effects or feel crappy Uh, obviously that's a very small sample size so I'm not gonna (laughs) let that you know, make me feel comfortable making some some blanket statement about who or who doesn't, but I'm that's just what I've observed. I've been continuing to plug away at these various musical projects I have going, uh, of which there are a few. And in my typical annoying fashion, uh, in a lot of cases, I work up a few different options. And uh, I find merit and value in all the different parts that I've created and played. But then it leads me back to option paralysis where I get stuck kind of analyzing the different approaches or the different tones. Uh, One example is a 28-second piece of music that I've been working on, of which I've done mm, three versions of now hoping to kind of, I guess, whittle away at them, see if there's one that I wanted to stick with or if there's elements of others that I wanted to combine into the front runner. And this is where I really envy the sort of resolute confidence that I see a lot of artists have, which is that innate, Uh, security to just trust what you want and trust what you want to do and that's hard for me because 
my natural tendencies and my natural impulses and desires in my mind have so often led me astray that in this later phase of my life where I'm trying to step in between the place where my impulses are created and the place where my impulses are acted out, uh, if you spend too long there, it starts to kind of brew or ferment or whatever other organic process uh, you want to use as an analogy, but it, it eventually becomes this pool of self-doubt. So I'm having to find a way to kind of, for lack of a better term, duck into that mindset for periods of time, but learn how to get out of that. Uh, you know, it's kind of like cleaning a house or cleaning a particularly cluttered room where you may not really find a balance that's good between what you're throwing away and what you're deciding to keep. And at first, just to kind of get acquainted with the process, you kind of end up just tossing everything. And uh, eventually you realize that not everything needs to be tossed. And so I'm coming to understand that it's not just about the process of checking myself or editing myself or stopping a lot of what I impulsively would do. It's more about me kind of getting into the details of that and not hitting it with such a broad brush or a broad stroke. But now that I understand the concept, learning how to be a bit more precise, detailed, and refined with that. So uh, that's one of the things that I've been dealing with. Now, one could argue that most great music if not art, has been a kind of succession and indulgence of impulses as blocks to create something grand. And that person wouldn't be wrong, but it makes me think of another spectrum that exists in all art and in particularly uh, music, which is that spectrum of feeling impulses and building from that, and then on the other end of that spectrum is analyzing every decision and desire, putting them through this process of like a filter, and then using those as blocks to build them. And of course, there's works of music that fall on every spot in between those two ends of the spectrum, representing different ratios of those two sort of, uh, not necessarily opposing, but complementary psychological approaches to making your music and or art. So as I often do, I kind of contemplate, ponder, ruminate upon these, these ideas, these, I guess, maybe potential theories of philosophies of making music and or art. And anybody who knows me knows that I always kind of use cooking and food as an analog for making music. Um, as I've talked about before in various avenues, 
on this podcast. Those two things in particular share so many things in common, not only in the necessity of the human physiology, but uh, the necessity of the human psychology. So, you know, uh, how you make music, how you compose a piece of music, how you write a song, uh, how you make a dish, how you make a meal. Uh, there's so many similarities. Anybody who's been with me in the studio also knows that I will draw these uh, analogies ad nauseum. I, I just can't help it. And, you know, um, if it gets annoying or tiresome, I am both sorry, sincerely, and also not sorry just because I have yet to think of a better analog. And in doing so, most recently, um, kind of getting out of my whole current creative pickle um, kind of made me realize and think about how I feel like drums provide music or drums and percussion provide music with the same thing that garlic provides cuisine. It may take a second to kind of sink in or maybe instantaneously you hear it and goes, oh yeah, I agree or disagree with that. Uh, the reason I kind of felt compelled in that idea is, you know, obviously there are plenty of amazing and valid forms of music that do not have percussion or drums, just as there are many wonderful foods. I don't know about many, but there are legitimate and good foods that don't contain garlic. Even in Korean food, my culture, which is probably one of the most garlic-heavy cuisines on earth, there are those dishes that are free of garlic, just like there are those versions of music that are free of uh, drums and or percussion. But the commonality or the similarities that I'm drawing are not just you know, predicated upon both of those things being widely used. It's, it's about why those things are widely used. In my opinion, garlic is one of the most powerful foods on earth because for its size, the amount of flavor and the amount of nutritional value and medicinal value it has is pretty immense. We're talking about a bulb that grows in the ground. Uh, likewise, I feel like a lot of the power of music is really enhanced and encapsulated in rhythms, which is mostly facilitated through drums and percussion. Obviously, rhythms are played by any instrument, even melodic. But uh, the way the drums create a rhythm that not only our mind responds to, but... Uh, Forgive me for sounding a little bit, I guess, woo-woo or hippie-ish, but like that our soul responds to because if you are a feeling human being, you have to have some sort of rhythm that your body responds to. Just like I have yet to meet somebody who truly hates garlic. I mean, yeah, there's people that can't handle too much of it. 
there are those people who have zero tolerance for spice and somehow garlic falls onto that spectrum of spice for them. But back to what I was saying, which is um, drums similar to garlic or percussion and rhythms, as far as music goes, are so dense in that power of feeling the benefits of music, meaning so much of it comes from just a pure rhythm. Uh, This is proven by millions of people enjoying dance music and uh, dance music in festival settings where there's so many people around and these drum circles at the beach where the rhythm that they're going for may not necessarily be clear, but they're enjoying themselves. Think about all of the different human and cultural rituals and ceremonies around the world that involve, one might say drums, but in this case I'm highlighting rhythm, just the power of rhythm right there on display. Maybe what I mean to say is that the rhythm is one of the most powerful medicinal aspects of music. I never thought of it that way. For me, it was always harmonics and melodies, the way things moved and changed that stood out to me, but maybe I'm coming to some new realizations. Makes a little sense to me. Let's move on to today's guest, shall we? Today's guest is a very old and dear friend by the name of Matt Bettinelli Olpin. He is a filmmaker, uh, one-third of the filmmaking group Radio Silence. He's also a musician and a music lover, and I think he brings some insight into how he interfaces those different passions into his filmmaking. He was the original guitarist and a founding member of Link 80 and a true creative. If one were to boil the creative pursuit down to a joyride of talent and passion, riding in whatever mundane discipline it could afford, then Matt has been studying racing for a long time now. All the different logistical aspects and kind of the circus of ideas that you have to wrangle making a film is this master discipline in and of itself. So with that, we talk a lot about what it's like and what's up with making a movie. Uh, In particular, we talk a lot about the movie he's currently making, which is Scream, or in this case would be Scream 5 which was created by, you know, horror legend Wes Craven. So with Matt being so sincere and down to earth, I, as his friend, get to just bug the shit out of him with a ton of questions about, you know, filmmaking and movie sets and what it's like to work with pretty famous actors and, you know, do the whole Hollywood thing. And he was gracious enough to entertain me, so thank you, Matt. And as usual, we also get into a lot of other stuff. Our history, 20, 21 years ago, living in Santa Cruz together in separate houses, but very near each other and hanging out. And, you know, as I often do with these guests, we get into a lot of uh, old and cool memories. So, yeah, 
Uh, I hope it's at least just half as enjoyable for you as it was for me. Also, this conversation will sound a bit different as we recorded it over Zoom so that Matt could be comfortable and at home. Uh, So there will be a bit of a different sound. And also throughout the conversation, I believe it was my headset that was picking up some shuffling while I was uh, in the bedroom on the bed. So please forgive those sounds. They were annoying me. I don't know if they'll annoy you but hopefully it doesn't take away from the conversation for you. Uh, But anyway, here's my conversation with Matt Bettinelli-Olpin. I think this should be good. Plus, it kind of makes it sound official, like you're really busy and you know, you're on location somewhere. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my apartment, <laughs> <laughs> hanging in my sweet, sweet apartment. Uh, do you still go by your full name, Matt Bettinelli open? Oh yeah. Big long one. I gave it to the kid too. So now he's got a big dumb long last name. He's got a, a regal hyphenated last name. <laughs> it's so crazy. I, I literally have like, and like, why did I do that to him? I was like, I hated it growing up. Why? It's awesome. It's like Italian Austrian or Italian German or something. I think or... Italian British, maybe. All right, fair. Yeah. Italian something. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's cool though. I mean <laughs> it's just so long and the, the hyphen thing, you know, most things still haven't gotten cotton up to speed on the hyphen. Like it's still like when I go get to go to get my like DMV or something, the hyphen doesn't, when you fill out the form, you cannot put a hyphen on it. And then they tell you it's going to show up on your license. And twice now I've had them, I've literally gotten into an argument. I've been like, well, if it's not on here, how does the computer know where to put it? And they're like, Oh, don't worry about it. And twice now I've had to get new IDs because of it. What you have two band-aids on your left hand. What happened? Um, that they're cool Avengers bandit, uh, a cat toy. I was holding a cat, like, uh, you know, like shake a little thing above a cat, cat toy and river pulled it out. And apparently there were a little, like, it's like fiberglass. So there's little like glass splintery things that just went right into my hand. Oh man. And I tried to do the tweezers thing today and learned quickly that I'm not good at tweezers. And so now it's just little glass things in my fingers and it fucking hurts. They're still in there. I, yeah, but they're like tiny and legitimately one of them might just be a cut. I can't tell the other one. It's definitely in there, but I just gave up on trying to get it out. You might have to like kind of rip the skin open a little bit and get it out. That's I started doing that. And I, and then that became, Oh fuck, I can't do this right now. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to it. Yeah, I I was changing a shower head in our new place and I was trying to twist one of the old shower heads off and it was so fastened so tight that I caught a shard of metal and it went straight into my finger and oh. I had to have her rip it open and like pull that piece of metal out with tweezers and but it feels good once it out once it's out. It's like oh, so it's satisfying. Oh, it's a giant relief. Yeah. Giant relief. Yeah, yeah. 
how, how can you, are you going to be able to sleep with that fiberglass shard in your finger? It doesn't feel, it's not, it's not bad. It's like, I mean, it's so minor. It's like, and I only feel it like even going like this, I don't feel it. It's like, if I hit it just right, it's like, Oh fuck. But you know, man, I'm worried. I think you should, I think you should like get that thing out and like, check it out. Yeah. But no, you know, I'm not your doctor. I'm not here to lecture you, but as a concerned friend, I might, I might, I might, I might, after, after we talk, I might take another stab at it. Or, you know, if it like starts to get red and weird, then go to the doctor, bro. That's well, that's what Nikki was saying. She's like, do you want me to just cut it out? And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to just cut it out. Maybe I try the tweezers a little bit more and then we'll, <laughs> then we'll cut it out. <laughs> there needs to be, I mean, yeah, I hope it doesn't resort to cutting. But... Yeah. It could get ready. No, I know. I know. Uh, so were you working today or would you have a day uh, off? No, no, I day off. I was just hanging out with River. Cool. And what is the current movie you're working on? Because you are a, a legitimate Hollywood movie director, my old friend, Matt Bettinelli <laughs> Open. Uh, right now we're working on Scream. And what's the yeah, actual title? Scream. Well, it's, it's actually titled Scream, but it, it's in, we always, it's Scream 5. Okay. But it, they're, it's named Scream. So it's Scream 2022, you know. Can that, but the first one was just also Scream, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. But they're just like, fuck it. It's our brand. We're reclaiming it. Yep. That's exactly it. it they did the same thing with Halloween. I don't know if you saw the new Halloween, but Halloween Makes came sense. out again. Yeah. It was really, you know, that's totally tight, bro. Um, so where in the process of making this movie are you currently? We're like, uh, hopefully getting close to locking picture. So hopefully within the next, I'd say week or two, we'll be done editing and it's just sound music, all that stuff, sound design and score for the rest of the, the next like month or so. And then we're done. Um, and you as the director, are you still involved in all those processes like throughout that? Yeah. I mean, hopefully, unless somebody tells me I'm not, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it, it's, it's very much just our thing at this point, which is great. It's been, it's been really good. You know, a lot of it's, uh, the original was shot up in Santa Rosa. Yeah. At Santa Rosa high school. Yeah. Uh, well, Santa Rosa high school wouldn't let them do it. Oh, I th oh really? Okay, yeah. Tell me what's up. Yeah, they they yeah they they are we podcasting by the way? Yeah. Oh, this is podcasting. Okay, cool. I don't yeah. know if we're just catching up. Uh, well, that's yeah, exactly yeah. the point. You know what I mean? No, I know, but I know. Also, I will say this, or say this to everybody: if there's anything that you don't want in, or that you weren't supposed to talk about, like you just tell me afterwards. Otherwise, all this will just be left in. But that option Great. is available to it. you. So. Yeah. I told you this and I was listening to the one with you and Brian. I was like, I just feel like I'm hanging out with friends and it's the best feeling in the world. Wow. Especially that's, during like the pandemic. That's amazing, man. I mean, that's the feeling I'm enjoying. And if it comes across to others, then I'm fucking stoked. You know? Yeah, man. It's great. How the one with uh, Aaron go? It's good, except the mic I was using for him started cutting out and making noise. So he's coming back next Thursday. 
to record <laughs> another episode with me because nice. of equipment failure. But um, where were we? We were talking about where, where you were in the process of making the movie and you were asking if we were podcasting, but you were about to tell me the real deal with the original Scream in Santa Rosa. Yeah, they wanted to shoot in at Santa Rosa High and or whatever, whatever it is. And then apparently that was like all a go. And then they wouldn't let them because they found out the content of the movie, essentially. Oh they're like, God. I don't know. That's that's why they moved it to Healdsburg. But they still there's still a lot of it that got shot there. OK, cool. Um, and did you do any of the shooting of the most recent film up here? No, we were in Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, nice. for all of it but we shot it we shot it to be to be healdsburg or you know to be woodsboro which is the city in the movie right, right. Uh, or the town but but it was fun because i got to do a lot of like bay area stuff you know it was all like let's find the stuff that looks the most kind of petaluma santa rosa healdsburg yeah um because you actually grew up in berkeley right or was it oakland oakland hills no oakland like rockridge not the hills like right right by like the berkeley oakland area the foothills the foothills yeah i'm like i'm a couple blocks from rockford park yeah word all right so like my my entire like youth was spent basically up on telegraph we we definitely have to get into that but just like just so that we don't do like the tron light cycle type path in conversation (laughs) we'll just keep going with this for now but because these are things I've been genuinely wanting to ask you and I'm super curious about. So uh, forgive me. I'm ignorant, honestly, to a lot of the premise and what's up with the current scream. I mean, I've yeah. seen it referred to as scream five, but, um, five cream is also a favorite of ours. Oh, right. The graphic five yeah. is S <laughs> five cream. <laughs> um, who is starring in this one? The, from from the original cast there's a lot of the original cast including david arquette courtney cox and nev campbell they're all back in it which is great nev campbell's think... back yes she's back sydney prescott is back and then also from the previous from like scream three heather Matarazzo is in it and from scream four marley shelton who this is all deep cut stuff for deep cut scream fans but you know we we really tried to make it something that was like I mean, it's called Scream, but that is Scream 5. That is for, like, yeah, you know, everybody who loves the whole franchise, not just the original. But right, but a lot of them came back. And then we have a whole new cast that is just wonderful. Like, it was so fun working with a whole new cast. Of, they're all in their, you know, teens, 20s. Yeah. And I've always known you to be one of the most, like, affable and charming and, like, good at conversation. I don't know what the, I don't know how to say that. I'm not really wording it well, but uh, like just such a congenial person, you know? And so you have such a great way of dealing with people and communicating and interacting with people Uh, is a lot of, was a lot of your role, like during shooting and stuff, a lot of actual person management in a traditional director sense um, where, you know, you're really trying to get the details of a take and acting and that sort of stuff. I'm asking as somebody who's totally ignorant to film stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's funny. It's like, I feel like, especially with this movie, but with a lot of the stuff that we've done and I say, we, cause I work with a couple other guys. 
and we have it's basically like a band honestly i mean right it, we we call ourselves radio silence it's even we even have like a band name basically and there's three right. of us and the way like a lot of our movies and especially this one though so much of it for us is about getting together people that are cool you know and because so many people are talented but to be talented and just a good cool person is kind of all the difference for sure and so it's not any of i i I have not had to do any of the kind of cliche like dealing with people type of stuff but it's but it is a lot of a lot of the job is you know just knowing what different people need from you at different times because you have a million choices to make every day and some people need like you know personal attention and some people are like just give me the the basics and i'm good i'll go and do my thing and a lot of it is just understanding what other people need from you okay that makes sense i can dig that it's 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 funny it is it it, i I feel like a lot of the way i approach it comes from old band stuff that makes sense and we're definitely going to talk about your band stuff maybe we'll we'll kind of work backwards here but um so it's all one big thing you know yeah it is it's like (laughs) like most of us the the whole story is like one sort of arc that's all connected right yeah exactly um what i wanted to ask was so do you approach it as your three-man team of radio silence like when you get this script or when you know you got the gig of starting to kind of shape the look and the whole vision and the whole i mean everything from the art direction to the cinematography to all of that is that all kind of formulated together or as you as the director are you more of like the conceptual center of that stuff well it's 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 all three of us you know and it and and technically me and tyler are co-directors tyler's one of the other guys okay and chad's the third one and it it's very much just like a team i mean we do everything kind of together we bounce everything off each other we run everything by each other it's great. And it, it's, it works for us really well. And then the, the cool thing about when we've gotten to do bigger movies, that's really exciting is then you bring in all these other people who are really, really good at what they do so they can take our kind of nuggets of ideas and make them into something that is kind of beyond what we would have been able to do on our own or, you know what yeah. I mean? Like just trusting other talented people to do what they're good at. Yeah. There's a lot of it. Yeah. So in this case, I mean, and if you're not really able to like divulge this sort of stuff, you can totally say so, but (laughs) I'm just so curious, like with this project, is it the type of situation where you were getting squeezed by all these multiple producers and this bureaucracy of Hollywood, or did you guys have the space to really do your thing and make your movie? Yeah, we've had the space to do our thing and make our movie. It's been really great because it, I, I genuinely can still sort of have to pinch myself that we're even doing it. You know, I mean, I mean yeah. it's, it's, it's so crazy. It's like, we're making a screen movie. That's incredible. And, and we are making it with a lot of the team as the same people we made our last movie with. And we had such a great experience with them. They were like, Hey, we're going to do this. Let's do this. So it's, it's felt very much like, family just moving on to the next thing together so it's not it, it's not all the cliche stuff of 
different problems here and there and blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, we shot during COVID, so that was a fucking problem. But I mean, in terms of that kind of thing and the bureaucracy, it's like, there's hints of that, of course, but that's in anything everywhere. And for the most part, I'd say not really. It's just, we've got a good group of people that have worked together before. So sick. Yeah, it's um, pretty cool. Are there any teasers yet out or any like cuts of trailers or anything? No, there's nothing. It's so, it's so under wraps and it's, it's one of those things that like, I guess the, in the past, in the originals, there were always leaks. So we've had to do all, go through all, all of these measures to like prevent leaks and to get different scripts out there so that if someone does find it, they still might not know if it's the real one or a fake one. And mm, that's really like cool. That. That's yeah, really cool that the, the studio would go to that length, but that makes sense, dude. Oh yeah, they're into keeping keeping it under wraps, and because it's a whodunit, it's a mystery at the end of the day. So yeah. if you spoil the mystery, it's not as fun. And I I will say I'm super curious how the trailers turn out because you know I don't know how you keep anything a secret in trailers anymore. Yeah, but Man. we haven't even we're not there yet. Yeah, that makes sense because um, I've always wondered this also: Are these trailers and teasers kind of being cut more from a final product most of the time? Yeah, it's funny. It's like, I hope so, especially on this one. But <laughs> I, I'll never forget our first movie. They cut a trailer from like the assembly cut, I believe, which is essentially the first cut the editor does before you even get in the room. It just all the footage, all the scenes fully, fully there. So you can kind of see what you're working with. And I remember in the trailer, I would say 25, 30% of it is just not in the movie <laughs> which which i had never known but now that i know that i i see it all the time like if you pay attention yeah. you'll notice like wait that was yeah. i never saw that scene i never saw that moment yeah so when i was a kid i would watch trailers for movies on tv and i would specifically watch the movie hoping to see those parts i had seen in the trailer and so often i'd be like it wasn't in the movie like what yeah what the fuck right? and it can fuck up the experience sometimes when you're you're waiting for something and trying to figure out maybe subconsciously where it fits in yeah. to the movie and yeah. then it never happens. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to ask you so many questions because I love movies. Like everyone loves movies and you know, this is just shit I've always wondered about. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in man. So, um, you know, and it's just good to talk to you, bro. I miss you, man. No, I haven't seen you since Aaron's uh, art show, right? Yeah. Why are you calling him Aaron? That's so trippy. How, have you bagel. always called him Aaron? Ba no, I call him Bagel. I always call him Bagel. See? I don't know why I'm calling him Aaron. <laughs> okay, I, I wanted to set this straight because um, last week when we recorded the episode that we couldn't use, I was talking about that, like whether he preferred being called Nagel or Aaron, and he was... And I asked, I was like, oh, Matt calls you Bagel, doesn't he? He's like, I don't think so. I'm like, no, he just definitely called you Bagel to me, like, that I can remember, like, 20 years ago. Like, <laughs> That's, I, 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 I've called him Bagel since 2000. And I didn't yeah. start it. I mean, I think, like, Ryan Noble or, like, it was, it was other guys in the band that started. Or maybe Borth. Yeah. Yeah, because somebody started calling him Bagel. And then, and that, what I always remember is that that's when I, rough right after that probably i got my first cell phone and i put him in his bagel 
Yeah. And he's he's still in my phone as Bagel to this day. Me too. And I always just call him Bagel. Sometimes I call him Nagel. Sometimes well, Aaron, you know. I was worried that he would be over Bagel now because we're old men, but he's still into it. And <laughs> yeah. so I'm stoked. I'm like, good, oh, good. yes, it was such a relief. But um, okay, back to the movie, if we may. Uh, sure. <laughs> you just essentially finished like the editing process of the movie then, right? Or like cutting the we're movie? We're pretty close, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're pretty close. And where are you doing that? We're doing that over on a uh, Lancashire across the street from a uh, like up by like Universal Studios that area. Uh, yeah, just in a little room where supposedly they cut punch drunk love too. That's the okay, that's cool. the lore. But yeah, just it's just a little room like twelve by twelve maybe. Word. Uh, we recorded a record there in two thousand two, so I know. I'm all about yeah. It. yeah we stayed at the oakwoods off of barham boulevard we would drive up to <laughs> lancashire and go to the studio there and where was the studio uh oh, i forget the name of the other street but it goes off of lancashire at kind of an angle not like a turn like a, a full uh oh right 90 degree like where it's, yeah like yeah. right when you go over the la river like that one no it's kind of further up so oh, it's, okay. it's goes off in a Y and it's just in a section that was particularly dense with studios. I forgot the name of that side street though. Um, but it's not that far uh, before Toluca Lake, before you get to that Bob's big boy, I think, you know, past yeah. there. Yeah. But um, anyway, so you, you were cutting the movie, you're cutting the movie there. And uh, is that still North Hollywood? Yeah, that's North Hollywood. Okay, cool. That's not all. And then where does all the I rest think. of the- Or maybe maybe Studio City? I don't know. And where does this, where does the rest of the cuz this is what's called post, right? For the movie yeah. in post. Where does yeah. the rest of the stuff go down? Like at various sound studios, like recording studios and stuff like that or is there stuff at the studio itself that you use or how does that work? Well, it's funny because the answer for this is different than it would be for any other movie. Because okay. for this, because of COVID, it's the three of us, me, Chad, and Tyler, in one room. Our editor is essentially on Zoom. It's called Evercast. but So she's at her house in Burbank okay. editing remotely. And then the assistant editors are both at their houses. So you have essentially a six-person team that are at different places which is not usually how it is. Usually we're all in a room and then there's another, then you go to a stage somewhere to do the sound design and the sound mix. And then there's another stage that where you do the color and make it look all cool and like a movie. Um, but this particular process is very different because everybody's spread out and it's, it, it took a little getting used to, but you know, it's, it is what it is. It's just as weird as everything else this last year. How does, who is responsible for actually laying in things like uh, special effects and credits and lettering and any of that kind of stuff? Is that the editor? It's uh, well, technically putting it in. Yes. But then there's other people who like, we have a, we have a company designing the titles and doing all the lettering and all of that stuff. Is that a company that specializes in lettering and titles and stuff? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's a whole like subcontract of film. Oh, that's a whole industry. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Like, oh, crazy. Okay. 
Yeah, and it's funny. It's on, like, on our last movie, you because you can just do it, like, in After Effects and do it yourself or your editor can do it or whatever. Uh-huh. And, and on our last movie, we wanted something slightly cooler than just the basic shit you can do at home. And so we had a we basically called in a favor from a friend we knew at a company and asked them to do it last minute. They did it like in two days. It was such a, such a save. But then on this one, we've actually got to look at, you know, we had different people present, uh, present basically make a presentation. And so we got to see a bunch of different options and kind of choose who we're going to go with. It's, it's pretty cool. Cause it's, it's such an art, you know, to make it feel, you got to get like the tone, you got to get the vibe, got to get the energy of the movie. And all within just a graphic or something. Is the the font style and the way that stuff's animated and it moves, is that stuff that's conceptualized like it's the storyboard stage? Or is that different for every process? It's probably different for every movie. For us specifically, especially on this one, it's 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 pretty simple and clean in terms of like we just want the title here, slight animation kind of thing. Gotcha. Um we're not doing like a Marvel kind of Right, right crazy thing. <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean it's it's the people who do that that it's such a skill and such a talent and it's also funny because i've really noticed especially in this process how how modern stuff has to be and to kind of keep up with it so even stuff there's such a there's such a vibe now where everybody wants kind of old school but even that old school look has to feel new and you realize right. it's just because it's just art and somebody's just creating this thing, giving it these flares. It's really, it's really cool. I love it. Honestly, it's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. I, it's something that now that I'm asking you about it and I think about it, it's like, I've always been so interested in it because when I watch old movies, like, I don't know, Red Sonia or the Conan series, like that stuff, like it's so sick. Like all the illustrations. It's, it's so I know. Dope. Yeah. It's like, I just watched Escape from New York this week and just the way it comes in with the score and like the titles, it just tells you instantly what kind of movie you're watching. And I mean, right. you know, I right. love it. It's such a lot. Like a, it's not, I, w- I was going to say it's a lost art. It's not a lost art by any means. It's maybe an underappreciated art. I agree. And I especially love it, you know, big surprise from my childhood era because like those strong identity of those stuff, like the Ghostbusters logo in the beginning of that. Oh movie. Yeah the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles logo in the movie. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> so good. It, it was, it's like, it's like the, it's like the, the appetizer for the meal, you know? Yeah. It just kind of sets the table a little bit. I love it. Yeah. That's cool to have that sort of validated by you that like, that's a real thing to like <laughs> think about and focus on, you know? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you, man. And when I watch those old movies too, it's like, it's some, sometimes it's the part that holds up the best. Yeah. Like the Beastmaster one is still really funny to me. It still gets me every time. I don't remember the Beastmaster one. What was it? I can't really describe it, but oh, I'm going to have to watch it. You have to watch it. But, um, so can we talk about the movie or, I mean, can we talk about the music in the movie? Yeah. I mean, it's none of its final, so we can talk about it in a, I mean, is it a combination of uh, licenses of songs, original soundtrack, original score? Like, what's the ratio here? It's it's a lot of score and a lot of soundtrack, a lot of needle drops. That um, I'm trying to think. 
it's pretty, it's like you're kind of, I'd say kind of average, you know, it's not like an exceptional amount of needle drops. It's not like every scene is a needle drop, which is some movies now, but it's, I, I still really lean towards choice needle drops and then a really good score. And my favorite thing in basically any movie is music at a party or music at a bar, like through a wall, like the muffled bass sound yeah. in a movie is That's my, close. I think it's my favorite audio thing in any movie ever if i just feel like i'm in the bathroom at a club or something or you know what i mean like at a show but like out back like i love that you like that with dialogue like dialogue over that muffled music sound yeah it just makes me feel like i'm there you know we don't actually have a lot of that in this movie but it's just while we're talking about it i thought i'd bring it up as one of my favorite is there a fair design thing is there a fair amount of like stressful synth sound during like scary tense chase parts and stuff (laughs) we haven't heard the score yet so it's because the score is the last thing that gets done yeah that makes sense also yeah yeah so it's so it can really be the picture and it can you know hit the moments it's got to really hit have you ever done any score stuff not of any like like full-length feature anything like for little bits for director friends and pitches for ideas and stuff. Yes. Right. But, uh, never, never even close to as much as I want to, but I'm really patient with that because I know that, I mean, not recently, but a lot of the times back in the day was like a older man's game, you know, older humans game, you know, older woman's game. And like, so, uh, you know, I figure it may never happen, but maybe eventually I'll be able to break into that. But, you know. Yeah, it'd be awesome. You'd be great at it. Thanks. I, I, I often talk about my whole creative process is always writing music to like movies that I make in my head, like visuals. But these aren't just like singular visuals. They're visuals with like cuts of different scenes in my mind. And so I'm kind of composing to that. And even a lot of RX stuff is like that. So. Oh, wow. Um, like is, how and how much detail? Oh, sometimes quite a bit, and then it also gets worked into the working title of the song. So the visuals are the working title of the song is named after the visuals, and there's been cases where those titles or working titles have become the actual titles of songs on the album. <laughs> That's awesome! Holy shit! I had no idea it's going to make me listen to it in a whole new way. Yeah. So you know, but. Is I'm, I wanted to ask you, is Needle Drop kind of like an uh, industry term for uh, a licensed song? Like a song that's already yeah. existed? Okay. Yeah, like if we just put in whatever, you know, just especially when it's over the... I mean, I guess technically it's anytime there's a song. Okay. And, and I could be wrong about this. So don't... I mean, I could be wrong, but I believe... Because here's what happens. It's every time you start a song in a movie, it becomes like a new thing. So like if I took one of your songs and I used it, used the song once, but I cut it up because of the scene that maybe there was a time jump or whatever. So I used three different parts of the song. That's technically three different uses. It's not one. Okay. So it becomes all this technical yep. stuff and it's, the cost changes and the cost yeah. is also different. Like if it's the, for the opening credits or the end credits, you know, oh, yeah. and all that. For sure. So it's it's that whole situation. Is Nev Campbell cool to work with? 
Oh, she's great. She was fucking awesome. Chill, like down to earth. So chill, so down to earth, so just so great. Sick. That's yeah. cool. And uh, Arquette too. Oh my god, the best. They all were like Corny Cox was incredible. They were all just so wonderful. It it, it was. We were kind of entering their world, you know. We were like the new guys. Yeah, after, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it had been Wes Craven's thing, obviously, and you know that he kind of created like a family with everybody they're all so close i mean courtney cox and david arquette got married like it's a real family vibe and so to kind of step into that we obviously had some you know nerves about it and we didn't want to like step on any toes or disrespect anyone and you know i mean west raven's one of our favorite directors of all time so it's it was no small thing to even get involved and then to meet all of them and have everybody be so welcoming and cool about it it was like you know pretty great that's pretty sick dude that's really cool um that's cool have you gotten a chill with Wes craven now well he passed away oh, he passed he? away in 2015 yeah oh shit that's a flail yeah. on Other- my part i didn't even know that no it's a bummer it's he, he otherwise he'd be directing this uh no and he, he he i yeah it's 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 so sad and it's so like you can tell just talking to so many people who worked with him and who knew him the the love for him not not just as a director like we all have his fans but people who really knew him and worked with him the love for him is pretty unrivaled with anybody else that i've met like he just he he seems like he was like really one of like the great guys bro uh don't tell anybody that i didn't know that he passed away just keep it between you and me Inside the Musicians Guild, bro. <laughs> Inside the Musicians Guild. <laughs> That's it. It's so embarrassing if anybody else knows that I had no clue that he passed away like six years ago. So Zip lips. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, that's really cool to hear. That's what I would think about them, like imagining that they would be down to earth and chill. And uh, it's cool to hear you confirm that. Yeah, they were great. Uh, so you were in North Carolina for a long time, three weeks, four weeks, at least how long, three months, three months. Yeah. Three months. Almost exactly. Did you have the classic, like, uh, shooting on location set up with craft services and everything? We, yeah, we had, we did a lot of locations and we also did, uh, we shot on a stage for a large part of it too, which was cool, which we had never really done before. It was, it was pretty awesome. But even on a stage, you still have a setup with like catering or craft services, right? Yeah, we got craft services. We got and, basically everywhere you go, there's 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 food available, which is very nice. And <laughs> the the studio you're working with, the the craft services or the catering companies they hire, was the food good? Was it good? Okay. You know what? I don't want to talk shit, but I will say because of COVID the food situation was very bizarre because you, we didn't usually it's like, that's a thing. And you all go sit down and you have lunch in a big room or whatever, you know, it's like being in a cafeteria, but because of COVID, cause we shot this in, we started shooting in, I guess September, but we, we, we got out there in August and you can't do anything in anywhere with people. You know what I mean? So you had it all like so, delivered to your trailers or something? So yeah, so you everybody everybody would get 
everybody on set would get an individual like right. a box lunch basically right and 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 also because of covid usually what happens usually when you're shooting like if you're shooting a 12 hour day there's a break in the middle for lunch and everybody stops everybody breaks everybody eats lunch but because of covid we shot what's called french hours which is no no lunch you shoot for 10 hours straight and there's and there's no lunch but it's kind of great i mean i think I, I know i loved it and i think everybody else loved it because there's a lot of downtimes on sets like a lot of downtime and starting up again after lunch always takes a long time yeah so to cut that out it actually felt way more efficient and you just find time to eat and occasionally there would be times where there literally was no time to eat so we have to be like all right we're breaking for half an hour and just deal okay. with it okay so you know in the musician's guild we're going to go to annoying levels of details because i'm an annoyingly curious motherfucker like that but i love it i'm all in so we can talk about craft service for at least another hour well I want to know since the meals were, you know, individually wrapped, kind of like we see in all like the sports leagues and their lockdowns and all that stuff. Did you have options at least for your breakfast, lunch, and dinner and stuff like that? Was there like two or three options, one or two options? Well, there's always, so it's always breakfast is always. And by the way, it's funny. I, I always call them breakfast, lunch, and dinner because that's what they are. But a lot of times like breakfast will be at 5 PM. You yeah, know for I mean? sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's like a, it's almost like a food truck so it's not an actual meal it's okay, more gotcha. of yeah so i'd have a breakfast burrito every morning you know just whatever time we're starting i have a breakfast burrito like egg and potato then, and cheese egg bacon egg potato egg potato cheese salsa nice okay so then in lunch yeah, night simple clean and then lunch so lunch became an issue because we get these <laughs> box lunches but then we never have time to eat them until they were old so we ended up just basically getting uh some form of like a salad and a smoothie situation every day and snacking nonstop. it's probably a very unhealthy way to live but like i i have just kind of a rule where i'm like i when we're shooting i cannot ever be hungry because i can never let yeah. there's so much to do and i can I'm never saying. let like that yeah. you know yeah you just it's not in the studio it. in the same way and it's it's amazing how many calories you burn when you're using your brain that intensely like you need a lot of food all day yeah it's yeah. weird it's it's such a weird thing to realize when you're like wait well, I, have, I i literally haven't moved i've walked from here to there 20 times but like yeah i'm not like doing anything but i'm starving yeah yeah and so what is some of your must-have snacks on set i mean i, I love like a good you know protein bar a kind bar stuff kind like bar. that oh dude those dark yeah. chocolate uh sea salt almond ones oh my god it's like that that's my favorite i'm with you man uh, it's the best that kind bar is so good it's great it's great and it's just it, it, the other one that i love is like i love like a fruit bowl oh nice you know if i can yeah. go get like a, a little fruit cup or something yeah all, all day steph makes amazing fruit cups like oh. the last tour I did was all fly dates and she would pack me little fruit cups through the plane. Like so great. That's so great. Berries, blueberries, kiwi, you know, it was delicious. A fruit cup for like more than one day or just one for the way out? 
no just like one for the way out like flying out and stuff but um what kind of drinks is, is it just water are you a coffee guy i don't remember whether you drink coffee or not. i didn't i i didn't start drinking coffee until maybe five or six years ago until, maybe more maybe 10 years ago now uh, <laughs> I was gonna be like, <laughs> when you became a dad you started drinking coffee which would be normal i you know i actually started right before that I can't remember when I started, but I didn't start until I was like in my thirties, you know, yeah. basically when, when you start kind of slowing down, you're like, why am I fucking tired right now? That's when I started drinking coffee. And now I still don't drink a ton of coffee, but I'll have a couple cups a day. I'm no, I'm no bagel. I don't, I don't drink it 20 times a day. It's not like a recreational activity for me. Yeah. This next time I record with him, I'm going to have to talk to him about coffee too. Um, yeah. Uh, but continuing with this and then, and dinner, what was your dinner steez? Because you've been snacking all day. A lot of times you didn't get to have lunch by dinner time. You're probably going to throw it out. Right. Well, yeah, we, it was funny because again, we're, this is during COVID. So we have all of these rules, you know, it's like, it's, everything is so different than normal, obviously for everybody everywhere, obviously. And so, and again, to the, so we're doing these French hours. So there is no dinner on the only meal on set is lunch. Okay. Gotcha. So at, uh, at the end of every day, I'd say a couple nights a week, because again, you're only shooting 10 hours a day. So you have a little window at the end. Usually like when you're shooting 12 hours a day, it's work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep. But when there's two extra hours, it was really nice to be like, should we grab a bite? And so, you know, me, Chad, Tyler, and then like our producer or DP or whatever, we would go, there was a taco, taco shop in Wilmington. We go to a couple of times a week called block taco. That was delicious, but it was really nice because it was the first kind of normality after the pandemic hit mm-hmm. just to be like, Oh, look, I mean, I'm sitting outside in a backyard, yeah. but I'm eating, eating a taco with like three or four friends. It's totally. really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I dig that, man. I totally dig that. Um, and then enchiladas were my other go-to. I just got frozen enchiladas because I could just heat them up in my microwave and eat them before bed. Were you staying in a Airbnb or a hotel or where were you staying out there? We were at this, uh, the Homewood Suites Wilmington. Oh, okay, it was, yeah. And we were all there. It was like, it was like summer camp. We just all stayed in the same hotel. We had the conference room was kind of our like, we basically took it over. The hotel was cool. They gave it to us essentially. And we put like a pool table in there and some ping, uh, foosball, ping pong. Okay. Board game. When you say that shit, I'm like, yeah, this definitely ain't no indie film. (laughs) No, it was dope. It was incredible. It was such a nice, like, but it was, it was only because of COVID, you know, it was like, yeah. Cause we couldn't go out. We couldn't do anything. Nobody could see anybody. So we had, uh, kind of a dedicated area it was sort of like just the kick it spot really that makes sense yeah yeah it was cool so that's probably the longest you spent away from the family in a long time then right when you were out there yeah i mean i was gone in 2018 i was also gone for three months same same for, for our last movie but that was that that otherwise those are the only two times i've had to go away for that long what was your last movie it's called ready or not where is it available? I'll send, I'll send you a copy. It's a, it's on the the streamers. It's yeah. on, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, 
Did you see any of the Jawbreaker shows on their last tour? <laughs> yeah, man. I the I, Palladium shows. Were we at the same Palladium show? Wait, dude, I didn't know you were there. Did we see each other there? We didn't see each other there, did we? I mean, every musician that I know, I know. Every musician was there. So. I went to first. I went to the rickshaw show up in. You San went Francisco. to rickshaw with Bagel. Damn. Yeah, we got tickets, so I went up and. Yeah, ah. me and Bagel went. It was incredible. Yeah, that was like the first and show. That was the first show, and my my memory is accident prone. Specifically, they they jammed. They were all great, but you know that super long bridge on accident prone. Yeah, that that was one of those moments at a show where I was just like, oh, this is this is doing it on all levels right now. This is yeah. incredible. And then I did do. I went to. This is embarrassing. Because I'm a fucking adult, but I went to all four Palladium shows, and <laughs> but, but I had a great I had a great situation because it was like different friends every night. So I went with I went with a couple friends. The first one, Aaron and I went to at least one. Aaron and I might have gone to two together, and then but the fourth one, nobody was there. Like nobody, none of my friends, nobody I knew. I, maybe you were there, and we just didn't know, which would suck. But you know, when you go to those things with people, again, because we're adults and we're not like just in it anymore. We're not, but the, for the fourth one, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm alone. And Nikki, my wife, who you met, have you met Nikki? I believe so. Long time ago. So. Yeah. Long time ago. But I was not going to go. I was exhausted because I'd gone to three shows in a row. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> and she was like, you should just go, you know? And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll go. And so I was alone. And when I got there, I was like, oh, man, I'm probably never going to see these guys again. So I just went up to the front. I was front row the whole show. Sick. It was it was fucking great. That's cool. Uh, are you, did you How many did you go to one or did you go to more? I went to one. I went to the night after you guys went, if you were with Bagel. So we weren't yeah, there the same, night. I, the same night. But um, did you put Jawbreaker in the new Scream? No, man, I wish. I wish. <laughs> I always try. I always make these like kind of futile attempts to put in, you know, my favorite bands and they just never, ever work. The only band that we, I put trio in a bunch of stuff and they Alkaline always work trio, for some reason. Trio? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That makes sense. They, and then I put MU 330 in our first movie. And that oh, was really? Dope. What song did you use? We used uh Hoosier Love. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's and honestly, that I, the Mike Park is so significant to the music in our movies because, especially because we've done so many low budget things, that I just hit him up and I'm like, "Hey, is there anything I can use? Like, there's no money, blah blah blah." And then sometimes, like when we like our first studio movie, I was able to I use I can't remember I use like Laura Stevenson and something else that he sent me I can't remember. And I was able to get it in and it was great, you know, but I hit him up for this one too. I hit him up for everyone. I'm like, what do you have that I can try to get in? Sick. Like for party music or anything like that? Yeah. It's like, just going to be some random song on. Why not make it something, you know, from a friend's label or a friend's band or something? Have you done any music videos? No, the only music video I've ever done anything with is that Alkaline Trio one at your house in Santa Cruz. 
Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I've I've talked about that a few different times with people, and people kind of like oftentimes look at me like I'm just making up some random thing about it. Like, <laughs> why would he say this random thing? Like, is this true? And it's like, no, it's true. Like, they really used to stay at the house a lot, and they really shot their first, not first, but one of their first music videos in my backyard. No, it was the, it was their first video. Oh, it was right, and then um, yeah. And yeah, like Matt Skiba drove around in Mike Park's van and you guys shot scenes like yeah. that because it was you and Adam Levin, right? And, yep, me and Adam Levin. And then Glenn, the original drummer, swung around our old school rotary lawnmower and, you know? Yeah. It's, I, and I think that, I think they were all on some shit. I don't remember, but I remember that being the, the like rumor. <laughs> <laughs> it was for that hopeless video comp. And I don't, I don't know where it turned up. Yeah. It, yeah, was on, it, was, it wasn't cinema beer nuts, but it was like, maybe. I think it might've been cinema beer nuts. Like a version. Was it? Maybe like I, the second one or something. I don't know. I remember. can't confirm that. Maybe anybody who's listening can, but uh, it was definitely for hopeless and we're dating ourselves. Th this was for video okay. comps that came out on VHS. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this was the nineties. <laughs> this came out on VHS. Yeah. I mean, we shot um, it on high eight. We shot no, no. I take that back. We shot it on mini DV, mini which was DV. huge at the time. We had mini DV, and we were like, "Oh, we this is the best technology in the world." <laughs> it, it, it. I mean, I have not seen that video in a very long time, but we had no idea what we were doing. We were like, "All right." I mean, honestly, it was just Mike called up me and Lennon, and we're like. Cause he knew we were in film school and we were like, we have a camera. He's like, well, this new band that I'm working with has, is coming to Santa Cruz. Let's shoot something. Yeah. And that was when you and I in separate houses, both lived in Santa Cruz while you were attending UC Santa Cruz film school. Yeah. And I was starting my young, like musician's career. And How did you end up in Santa Cruz? I've always wanted to, I don't think I don't feel like I know that. I became I became friends with Slow Gherkin and I essentially through my, basically through my uh, high school band, the Santa Rosa band, the Blockheads, we played with Slow Gherkin and the Huxtables and I became friends with them. And I started going down there to hang out with them. And I had so much fun that I was like, I need to move down here. And so Julia was going to move into a house there and we all moved into a house there. And then I started touring. I went on my first tours with them. How did you know Julia? I didn't. I met her through Slow Gherkin. And they said, this is our friend, God. Julia. She wants to move out too. She's got this roommate friend, Herbie, you know, this guy. And uh, we got this really sick house on the west side there. You guys were on the west side too. Um, yeah, we were over on Surfside. With, you lived with John Lutzka? John Lutka, yeah. Oh, Lutka, Zoe. that's right. Yeah. Zoe. I remember Zoe, dude. He's cool, man. And then later on, Jesse from Lagwagon was living with you guys yeah. too. Yeah, Jesse moved in. Yeah, like the last maybe like half a year we were there or something. Yeah, I remember like being at your house one time because John got me a job at that original DoorDash. Yes. Yeah, so like whoever this entrepreneur was in Santa Cruz in 1999 was a genius because we were like going to like different restaurants and delivering food from them to people. And that was like a job I had for maybe like three months. 
But I was at your house. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, takeout taxi. Takeout taxi. Takeout taxi. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was over at your house one time, and I I was like, Jesse walked out of his room, and I saw like his base road cases, and they had like the lag wagon stencil on them, and I was like, whoa! Like I was still like all young and like enamored by that. I'm like, well, this guy's like, you know, this guy's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, I when he moved in, I was like, "Whoa, Jesse from Wagwag is moving in with us!" Like, yeah, I was like, "That's cool." He was so sick on stage with them. He had like an awesome stage presence. Yeah, he time. really did. Yeah, he was, which is funny because he was such a like a soft-spoken, so quiet, quiet and soft-spoken. Yeah, just lovely human being, and then just tear it up. An animal on stage, just yeah. shredding. Yeah, it was crazy. I I remember being like, how is this the same person? Yeah, that was super fun. But yeah, I mean, we lived in Santa Cruz. I have a picture that I should have pulled out to show you right now, but of us at this party, this random party in Santa Cruz one night. And it's you and me. I want to see it. And I'm 19 and you're 20. And <laughs> it's it's an amazing picture. I'm going to have to show it to you. Yeah, I'll send, send you a it picture to me. Of it. I'll send you a picture of it. So Yeah, I do. I have a bunch of pictures of us from back then. They're, they're all great. They're, it's, it's such, it was such a, it's funny. It's one of those things where it was such a specific time, you know, it's like yeah. 99, 2000. I, it was, I have so many good memories from that time. And is that the time where you were kicking it with like Andy and Akiva and them? Cause they were there at the same time. Yeah. And well, Andy, Andy was gone. He went, he was at Santa Cruz. I want to say freshman, sophomore year, definitely freshman year. I can't remember when he, he went to NYU for either the yeah. last two or last three years. And then that's when I, when I left Surfside with John, that's when I moved in with Akiva. Oh, okay. Cause and we, that's when we bailed on Surfside. And this is probably like just a couple years before they started doing the Lonely Island thing, right? Yeah. It's cause then we moved to LA together I moved to LA with them. We all moved in yeah. down on Olympic. Okay. And, well, my first place was down for like three months. And I always remember this, that you came by. It was down on rodeo and La Cienega. Yeah. And you came by and we went to the hot tub. It was like, a, it was like a weird complex thing yeah. on the corner there. <laughs> that <laughs> and, was fun. Uh, yeah, that was great. And I remember cause I went out on tour that summer with link 80 when I was not in the band. Right. And I just went and I, road managed or whatever i didn't do shit i just hung out but uh then and i got back from that and moved into that place that you came by for a couple months and then moved in with keeve and andy up on olympic and that's when they and they they just started doing that shit the minute they landed in la like 2000 gotcha that's yeah. cool and then not long after that i guess they started doing the saturday night live thing and stuff like that right yeah, they got Saturday Night Live really quick because we moved out of that place in, I want to say, 2002 or 2003, maybe 2003. And then they, they got Saturday Night Live. I can't remember when, but right pretty quickly. Um, so, okay, that was cool because I was just thinking about Santa Cruz and I was reminiscing about all these times and all these crazy times where you lived in another house and we were chilling out on the deck one time. That's yeah, the backyard with the guns. Yeah, the backyard with the guns. Yeah. But that was on the east side of Santa Cruz, wasn't it? That was on Lee Street. Yeah, 135 Lee Street. I don't know why I remember all these addresses. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah that was like right by right like right where 17 kind of goes into town oh yeah that's right mm -hmm. it was right there it was like right next to the freeway and that that was the house that zoe and i moved into with keeve after leaving surfside okay which Specific. is that old place yeah yeah we, we we moved over there for the last like i don't know sometime during senior year and yeah we had that bb gun in the back that we just shoot shit with which again in hindsight is so fucking dumb but it was really fun <laughs> <laughs> i would go visit you while you worked at falafel of santa cruz yeah man falafel and i that would drop in there great and i would get a falafel get a piece of baklava see my friend matt and that's you know that's where you first gave me a copy of shape of punk to come on cassette you said hey homie is that true you were the first person to give me that and in my nissan truck it was on a black cassette and it took up both sides and you said here man this album is sick you need to listen to this and in uh 1999 i heard the shape of punk to come and it blew my mind that's i mean because we were getting it hot off the press it had just come out and yeah i would have never ever heard of this band and then you floated to me so i have you to thank i one i think i i think i have aaron to thank aaron bagel nagel word i think my memory is that he gave it to me but i could be wrong but that's that's what i think but i it's so funny you say that because that album almost more than you know there's five albums that you can go to and be like, Oh, that changed the course of the way that I thought about music. And that's one of them where you go like, what? Oh, this is, this is not any of the stuff I've heard before, but it has all the stuff I heard before the influence of all the stuff that I love. I had never heard an album put together like that in a concept album way. And it completely shaped everything we did with RX. I did that trust foundation EP right after that was influenced by it. Like it was all, it absolutely blew my mind. That's incredible. I do. Yeah. I, I want to talk about Trust Foundation, by the way. It's I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I mean, I love Trust Foundation. I loved it. And I, because I, I still, I can still picture that CD. And I remember being like, holy shit. Fuck. Like, this is so good. This is because my favorite bands at that time, you know, that was when Jets Brazil was out. It was yeah. when Shape of Punk come had just come out. Yeah. And I was like, and that was like the other one of those that I was like, oh, this is like this new sound that I just loved. And it was funny because, and you know, I listened to, you talked to Brian Moss because I never really knew Brian that well. Uh -huh. And my only interactions with him had ever been because his old band Alien Spy used to play with us a lot, like at yeah. Albany Teen Center and shit. At Berkeley and there was some Square weird, and shit. Yeah. Berkeley Square, yeah. And there was some weird rivalry and some <laughs> beef. I not like me and him yeah yeah, but yeah. I, I, there was some fucking i mean we always had beef with fucking everybody for some dumb reason but <laughs> specifically alien spy and brian i remember there was something and it didn't affect me i never knew it but then when you you were in santa cruz and you had trust foundation with him i remember being like oh he's really talented like he's great <laughs> and then and then i i never saw him again until running into him in Denver on that 2000 tour when I wasn't playing and we played some shows with him, him and like maybe Lawrence arms or something in, uh, in Denver, some like skate something or other. Uh -huh. But, but anyways, my point is, is that I, I had had this like impression of some bullshit high school stuff that yeah. I still could, I couldn't even articulate what it was. 
and then trust foundation was the thing that made me go like oh i didn't know shit none of us knew shit like <laughs> we're in these you know well we so, didn't like, know tell anything me either. but how did you guys how did you guys do that so quickly and so well i don't know i mean i i, I gotta say a lot of it is about that youthful energy where you have everything to prove not only to yourself, but to everyone else. And you're so uh, excited about the new things you're hearing and your way of engaging with that is being so excited to like try and make your own version of that, that that single-handedly propelled us to basically start by having this concept of being like, you know, I'm really into what you do. And like, we became good friends. We were hanging out a lot. I was going up to his house in Berkeley, Oakland, and they would come down to Santa Cruz to hang out. And uh, we would basically just talk about these concepts because I was also listening to Hum, You'd Prefer an Astronaut a lot and No Knife at the time. And we were both- I remember how much you listened to No Knife. Yeah. You got me into No Knife. I'd never heard of them before you gave me a- Oh, okay. Um, and so we just got stoked, talked about it. And then, yeah, over the course of like maybe four weeks, we just wrote these songs and like recorded them and did it. So that's incredible. I mean, the way I am is usually, I don't, I don't usually start things with just a part and I go, I don't know what to do with it. The way I hear music is usually like multiple parts, if not most of the song altogether, you know? So and, and you know, mixed with Brian's ideas and his contributions, I didn't even have to think of whole songs. You know, he was coming up with whole parts himself too, you know? So it just happened really fast. You know, it was only like four songs or something, five songs. So, you know. Yeah, but it was, I, I remember so well, like, because I was doing that band Dolores at the time, which was oh, like. Oh, yeah, Dolores. That's right. Yeah, it was like John and that dude, Jason. I don't know if you remember Jason. I and remember I, it. Totally. Ilya for a while. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Aaron Hazen. I don't know. Do you remember Aaron Hazen? He Daily. also lived with us over at Surfside for a bit. But anyway, so we were trying. I just remember when you guys came out, when you guys did Trust Foundation, we had been doing that for, I don't know, a year, year and a half. And I remember hearing Trust Foundation be like, that's what I want us to be doing. Why aren't we doing that? Like, why is our shit not that? <laughs> but I remember Dolores kind of being like slower and heavier, like far influenced and stuff, wasn't it? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it was all it was all that kind of like jawbreaker, Jets to Brazil, yeah, you know, stuff. Just and then all the stuff that was sort of like that. A lot of the Jade Tree stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So our Santa Cruz time, man. Do you ever think about Flawful of Santa Cruz? Yeah, man. I think about it a lot, actually. That was, you know, it's the whole like. I mean, I worked there for like, I don't know, two or three years. It, it was one of those, it was like my first, like that kind of job where I just was doing the same thing for years. I think about it a lot in the, the it was a family business. So I still occasionally like, will get like a text or something from the guy who ran it, Sam, you know? Awesome. Cause does he treated it like a family. So does it still exist? It still exists. Yeah. I have a friend who was up there not that long ago taking his kid on a Santa Cruz tour and sent me a picture of like me and some of the other people I worked with that, you know, he still has it up on the Coke machine or something. I was like, Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool, man. Yeah. 
that place was great. Also, when you're in college and you have no money and you're working at a place like that, and his thing was like, I'm paying you minimum wage, but you can eat whatever you want. So I had falafel or chicken shawarma, I don't know, for two years straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like feast or famine at that time. So if I came home from a tour and I had like, you know, 800 bucks, I was super rich. And, but that, yeah. that place was always like, I think a flawful back then was like 375 or something. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it'd be like five or six bucks for falafel and fries and a soda. Yeah. Definitely had to get the combo meal for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, well, those fries were great because they had, they had all the falafel stuff on them. Oh, the fries are so good. Do you, yeah. What was your burrito place in Santa Cruz? I forgot. Fuck, that's a great question. Because I, I love, I'm never going to remember the names, but there was one on campus that was actually really good that also okay. had another store downtown. I can't remember what it was called. But I remember they put lettuce in the burrito. No, which was no, like, no. What? Okay, I uh, beg to differ because I agreed. I agree conceptually, but I still to this day think about that lettuce in the burrito and go like, you know what? They kind of, they kind of had something. Cause I've never, when do you get fucking lettuce in a burrito? Yeah. And, uh, but there was the place down on like, I want to say Pacific and what went up from Pacific to mission was that high. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. And that or, one on the corner there in that tiny Laurel, little place, right? Yes. Tiny Jalapenos. little place on the corner. Jalapenos. Jalapenos. And the burritos were like, the size of like a large yeah. cat and you step up to a counter to order it and you watch them make it. Yes. I loved that place. So good. That was, that was like, I think my favorite probably. That was my second number one for me was Taqueria Vallarta on SoCal. Oh fuck. Yeah. Taqueria Vallarta was great. You remember Holy that? Shit. We would go yeah. there too, because that's all I want. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I still, by the way, to this day, eat, it's like a joke. I still eat burritos probably every day, like <laughs> all the time. I, I, it's the only it, pizza and burritos, but especially burritos are the, it's the only thing I'm always in the mood for. Do you also make your own burritos at home? I mean, I did for a really long time. I don't anymore, but I think it's just once we had a kid, I, it's just becomes too, it's, it's chaos all the time. Yeah. So I, I don't really, but yeah. You don't have like the. Do you? Uh, once in a while, but not really. Like, I don't really eat flour tortillas anymore because I'm gluten free. So, I. Oh, gotcha. I when I indulge, I have tacos, but that's rare. You know what I mean? So. Right. Um. <clears throat> burritos, though. I mean, you can't be a Californian and not love burritos. I think. They're the best food in the world. I mean, full yeah. stop. <laughs> yeah. They're like, it's rare that a food could rival pizza in its power to be <laughs> syndicated and ubiquitous, like in multiple settings that's appropriate all the time that could feed people on like a very humble and like in a price scale that's like not out of the reach of like the masses, you know? Yeah. It's one I especially when we were younger and oh hold up I gotta I gotta charge one of my headphones is this fucking up the sound? No, it sounds still sounds normal. Okay, great. Uh, the because uh, when we were like in high school, 
I just always remember if I had $5, I could go get a burrito. I could get a soda. I'd be set. Yeah. And it was the best. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't, I, I don't want to sound like an old man, but we are, or at least I am. Uh, and I'm, I still get shocked when I buy a burrito now and they'll be like, it's $11. I'm like, For what? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause we grew up in a time where burritos were four seventy five, five bucks. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But I think burritos are up there with pizza, uh, bowls of noodles, rice bowls, burritos. Rice bowls. It's up yeah. there. Yeah. That's yeah. A rice bowl, rice bowl burritos and pizza for me are the, that's like the holy trilogy, Trinity. Yeah, that's that's yeah. your jam. That's it. So you've been in LA for what two decades now? Yeah, twenty yeah. years. Twenty. Yeah, I moved down in October two thousand. So, but you're from the in Bay, a- like all of, like us. You know, you're a mm-hmm. Bay Area guy. Uh, do you ever see yourself coming back to the Bay one day? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I it I I just passed my like I've lived here longer than I lived in Oakland and it's it was depressing and shocking and not something I expected you know it's like and, and by the way I like LA like I like LA a lot yeah it's not I'm not I'm not one of the like fuck LA LA sucks I mean parts of LA suck just like parts of the Bay Area suck. I mean parts of everywhere suck you know true and but I like I I just, I just, I love the Bay Area so much and I just always want to go back and I'm always sort of depressed that I'm here. And now that we have a kid here and I'm like, Oh, I always wanted to have a, a little Bay Area kid. <laughs> 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 he said the most depressing thing today. He said, he said, cause Nikki's from LA. He said, I had an A's hat and a Dodgers hat. And I said, Hey, which, which one should I wear today? Asking him. And he goes, the A's one. And then, Nikki said something about, but LA is where you live. And he goes, Oh, Oh, Oh Dodgers where, or where the LA one. And then he goes, she said, do you like the, the A's or the Dodgers? And he said, the Dodgers without hesitating. And I was like, Oh man, I, I failed on some level already. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, the A's are on fire right now. And I know, you know, kids, they're just random man. they don't really know. Maybe he said that just because he felt like, Oh, mom's right. Like I live here. I should pick that. <laughs> I mean, and that is uh, to to both of their credit. I guess that's true, but you know, I just I just always wanted to be back up in the Bay Area, and maybe I mean someday. Yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I would love to at some point. I, you know, when 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 did you move back up? How long ago? March. March. Yeah. Are Are you still uh, managing to like get up here for family visits though, and stuff like that for holidays? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, COVID's obviously made it harder, but other than that, yeah, I, I, I go up all the time. Oh, yeah, that's true. Outside of COVID, though, you, you still Outside are... of COVID, yeah, I go up all the time. Do you normally, do you just fly now, or do you still ever drive? Drive. I drive a lot. I mean, I went through a period where I was like, fuck the five. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> like, yeah. And for a few years, I was, I was like, it's just, I, I'll spend the $100 for Southwest. I don't care. I just, yeah. like, can't. But now I've gotten back into like the the ease of driving so that we can leave whenever we want. I can, you know, true. wake up and I don't have to rush. And it's true. I don't know. I, but yeah, but, but still fuck the five. But when I think about it, I say, okay, driving at a reasonable speed, which 
on the five is generally speaking between 75 and 80, even though the speed limit's 70. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a six hour and some change drive, depending on where you're going to Santa Rosa, no, where exactly I am, it. it's six and a half to seven to Oakland. It's probably six to six and a half. Right. Yeah. But it's usually around six, give or take flying. I'm getting there an hour and a half early to two hours early. If I have to go out of LAX, there's an hour on the flight and there's usually at least an hour after that. So that's already up- four to five hours that it takes. And so I'm not even saving that much time, actually. No, you're not. It's funny. It's the, the, the trick, the, the trick for me, if I want to fly and do it quickly is book a flight at uh, Burbank. Yeah. Cause that's a 25 minute drive from here. And I got the pre TSA or TSA pre whatever pre check, whatever that is the best thing in the fucking world. Yep. And so you can usually get through and then just bring a bag where I'm not checking anything. Yeah. So you can usually get through in like 10 minutes. It's so fast. Yeah. And at Burbank, it's not Burbank never feels the same as like LAX where it's like, you got to get there super early. It's like, I get to Burbank like old school styles, like pre nine 11 styles where you can show up and 20 minutes later, the plane leaves and it's like, fuck. Exactly. That's why I would fly out of Long Beach. It was the same deal. You can show right. up legit right. 45 minutes before your flight takes off at Long Beach. You know, it's so great and you'll be fine, but you know, yeah. So Saturday night, it's what would you be doing now? If you weren't talking to me, what's your normal Saturday (laughs) night, the kids in bed, it's mommy and daddy time or solo time. Or what are you just chilling out? Generally speaking by now? Yeah. Probably be uh, watching, watching TV, watching a movie. (laughs) See, I'm always, I feel bad because I ask all my guests and I'm always cutting into their chilling time. It's like normally, you know, a lot of you guys are parents and a lot of people would be normally like, you know, I would be laying down on the couch, falling asleep, watching a show right now. And so I really appreciate it. I'm laying down on the couch though. I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the couch. (laughs) I'd much rather be talking to you on the couch than just watching some bullshit. That's fair. Uh, What have you been listening to lately? Anything good? Well, it's funny. Yeah. Lately I've been doing a, because we've been trying to find music for the movie. So I've been doing, I've been listening to so much new stuff, you know, gotcha. obviously, you know, we all get stuck in, I mean, I still listen to Rancid and Jawbreaker and Off Ivy. I mean, you know, it's like, you, yeah. you, you know, you peek in the thing and, but I've been listening to so much new shit lately. And, and it's, it's, it's been nice. It's been really refreshing because, you know, like always there's a bunch of, dumb shit just like there was when we were younger and yeah but there's a lot of great stuff that yep. you know i was it's been really nice to find and really nice to like actually take the time to go dig into stuff that's very current and not be disappointed it's it, it's been refreshing yeah i gotta say it's it's pretty cool like uh there's a lot of really good stuff coming out that's new and it's it's awesome to see i was really worried that i'd be like get becoming one of those crotchety old people that was just like, ah, it's no good. It's like, I don't feel that way at all. I'm like, there's a lot of new stuff. That's so dope. You know, same here. It's funny. I've gone, I, I I, like, I love a lot of new hip hop and I, I have a, I have a lot harder time getting into new, like, I, I don't know any real new punk rock. I don't, you know, I mean, I'm sure I probably do here and there, but like, 
and I don't, it's funny, the stuff that I used to always know everything and love, I don't know as much new stuff. Or when I do, it all sounds too processed and like perfect for me. And it's not, it doesn't have that kind of like yeah. dirtiness that I love. I agree. I think right now, I'm not saying punk can't have its time again, but right now I don't think it's punk's time to like be breaking new ground. Whereas with hip hop for a while now, it's been obvious that they just keep smashing brand new territory with hip hop. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Even now, if you said 15 years ago, like all top 40 hip hop, it's going to be at least, you know, one third to half singing melodies. Every rapper, quote unquote, has to be able to sing hooks and top lines and stuff. It's like, that's just one of the many, many changes that's gone down. And like, you know, I, I'm with you. Like, I love a lot of newer hip hop too. Yeah, it's cool. It's also, it, I feel like it's, it's, you know, and I, I say this without any expertise, but it feels like one of the, if not the genre that, that evolves rapidly still. Like I, you know, so you can always hear something and be like, fuck yeah, I've never heard that before. That's dope. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when I go down like a rabbit hole, I'm like, new punk rock or new whatever i'm like well this sounds exactly like a bunch of shit i used to listen to just slightly different you yeah. know yeah and it's so that's true. just not exciting because i'm like well i'd rather go listen to the stuff by it's true and it's happening a lot right now in certain like offshoots of punk and indie where they're essentially rehashing a lot of 90s grunge riffs and so chorus nice. and flanger sounds and I think there's bands that do it really well and there's bands where it's a little bit overkill. I'm not going to like blanket statement that it all sucks or whatever. I'm just commenting that it's super hot right now. Like that's how old we are. So basically our parents' generation, when we grew up in the nineties, dazed and confused came out and those hippie yep. 70, like late sixties style was super in. <laughs> and I remember all the older people and parents just being like, <laughs> why do you guys want to wear that stuff? That's funny. That's like from our childhood. And then, now people you your age and my age we're seeing like the styles totally going back to grunge baggy jeans sweaters it's crazy jeans. right like you're just like what the stuff the, it's I, I legit didn't think the 90s were kind of bunk you know like style wise <laughs> and so to see it come back around i'm like well we all look stupid like what this is so silly but it's also weirdly validating because you go, okay, cool. Well, you know, for every generation, you, you find the older generations is what you're saying. It's, it's the same thing, but it's also, it's crazy how much of that is in music too. Cause I've been listening to a lot of, especially a lot of the singer songwriter stuff. I'm like, this could have been an album in the nineties that would have been huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember actually when we were in Santa Cruz and we were both 19, the you and I both, the crotch of our pants hung pretty low. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I, 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 dude, it's so funny. Cause I think when, we, yeah, when we were like 1920, I was wearing probably size, like, I don't know, 38 Dickies all the time. You know, yeah. I am, I'm like a 32, yeah. but I was just like, yeah, I was big. And you had a black t-shirt the same ball chain necklace that we all had side yeah. large dickies and chucks chucks dickies yep ball chain yeah. necklace thing from we all had for some reason yeah. <laughs> and i was ball chain necklace inside out t-shirt 
Dickies that were oh. only slightly too big for me. And then the same Puma standards that Blake wore in the Dear You picture. That, yes, that yes I know that. <laughs> I still wear Chucks all the time. I, I break, I try to get out of it where I'm like, God, you're a fucking adult. Dude, stop wearing your kids' sneakers. And every time I do, I have this just, I'm like drawn, like gravitational pull back to Chucks. And well, I always end up wearing them. Stylistically, I'd say that's awesome. But from a more pragmatic perspective, I would like say... Like a back, your back? <laughs> I, well, yeah, I would say, you're a grown-ass man. You make money now. Why would you do that to your feet? <laughs> your back. It's... it's, it's I, dude, I don't know. It's so weird. It's just, it's like, it's like what I know. You know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those things where I go, this is just like a warm blanket. I can't help it. Well, at least they make these newer versions of Chucks that have really awesome cushy soles. Have you had any of those yet? I, no, I, I've heard about those. <laughs> you still, I, I like the medieval torture garden variety of Chucks. You know what it is? It's, I just do that random thing where every so often I'll be like, oh fuck, I need new shoes. I'll just go on Amazon and be like, uh, new Chucks, $49. Sure. Oh fuck, I should get those new ones that everyone keeps telling me about. And I never, I always forget. You don't even put insoles in your Chucks. I do put, I have a, cause I have, I mean, this is also stupid. I have, I can't, something with my arches, but I have the same insoles I've had for so yeah. long. I need new ones. Well, I remember you telling me when we were 19 and 20 that you had flat foot. And I also had That's flat foot is. from certain shoes too, where like the arch of your foot burns because it's like going numb because it's. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then I, I just wonder like, why must you continue to commit like medieval foot torture on yourself like <laughs> you know i i hold up changing these again can you hear me yeah oh fuck wait hold on oh no it's ipad oh, no it's audio. ipad audio now. i don't want to fuck up the sound here okay now it's good is it good yeah um medieval foot torture yeah i do have some new balance that I love the New Balance. They, they, they do me right. Okay. When I need it. So you it's do. Not have like some... I don't only wear Chucks. I'm just saying, like, I wear Chucks more often than a 43 year old dude should. <laughs> no, I think it's legit for somebody to wear Chucks at any age. I think they're classic, but I'm glad you have some sensible, like, dad shoes. Yeah, I got dad shoes for sure. Okay. I, I mean, I spend most of my life in sweats and a t shirt, so. <laughs> what kind of sweats? I don't know. These, I, I just got these new ones that are like so comfy that I look forward to putting them on every night. I actually don't know what they are. Oh, you're, uh, you're in I'm your sweats good. now. Yeah. I'm in my sweats now. Oh, you're talking to your bro, Steve in your sweats. I'm honored. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm in full kick it mode right now. <laughs> uh, oh, but maybe I'll, uh, maybe I need to buy you a pair of those new chucks, man. Send them to you or something. I, I got, I gotta get them. I gotta get them. Is your birthday coming? What are they called? Soon? I don't know. No. When was your birthday? February. When's oh, yours? Shit. August. Uh, happy belated birthday then. Yeah, happy early birthday. <laughs> or or belated. You're like right in the middle right now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't know what they're called, but they make all kinds now. There's like a pair of Gore-Tex chucks or like rubber waterproof ones. It's crazy. Like they have a lot of varieties and they make like specific skate shoe high top chucks with like air pockets in the soles and stuff now too. So Jesus. are you still skating? 
Yeah, I skate some. Yeah, I nice. I just can't let go of my love for it. You know, yeah. basically, because I'm a giant man child, and <laughs> for some reason, I insist on living like I'm still 18. But uh, I don't know, man. I try to stop, but you know, why? It's like, fuck it. I I still wish I could. I never. I never could. I always suck. It's just uh, use it or lose it. You know. I really believe in use it or lose it. So I yeah. want to keep using the body. Uh, do you have a particular Sunday morning breakfast you like? <clears throat> breakfast burrito? Is it, are you going to have a breakfast burrito? I'm, I'm a, I'm a uh, yeah, you want an old man answer. I am a oatmeal banana every morning kind of guy. I just love oh, Okay. Steel cut oats or instant oats or what kind? Uh, I get these nature pat, you know, it's like a, you know, a little packet, little packet, pour a little packet in a bowl, put a little yeah. water in it, put it in the microwave for a couple minutes. Flavored or unflavored? Unflavored. Just just the oats, man. <laughs> and do you have like ripe banana? Do you add any honey? What What's the No, I don't add shit. I just throw the banana in the oatmeal, mix it up, eat it. And that's, your, until lunch. that's your every day. Every day. And you look it, forward it, to it? it? I look forward to it, not because I'm like, oh, it's the most delicious thing in the world, but I, I've always had a very, uh, um, my, my stomach and my appetite are always in conflict because yeah. I have a very weak stomach yeah, and like lactose intolerant and all that shit, but I want to eat everything and I love food. Same. Yeah. So, but the oatmeal thing in the morning, it just, it does the, it does the, the trick in terms of like you're gonna feel satiated until lunch yeah and i'm good i that's one of the first things you and me bonded over 21 years ago 22 years ago about that and you would always have tablets of lactate in your pocket you'd pull yeah, one out of your dickies and you actually gave me one one time before we ate burritos or something i'm like oh man this shit is the truth yeah you got me on that share some lactate <laughs> you shared your <laughs> lactate with me and i appreciate that so you you introduced me to shape of punk to come you introduced me to lactate you know all the big things all the big <laughs> life-changing things dude i appreciate that man you don't know how much i appreciate that shit yeah man it's lactate lactate brothers do you have a do you have a guitar do you miss playing guitar I've got one right here. I I miss. I still play like I just have an acoustic, and I mean I awesome. play it just around. You know, I I play it a lot. I still I love playing guitar. I I I don't play like to be good at it though. I essentially have regressed a lot. <laughs> like I you know, I'm not. <laughs> I like, have too. Honestly, I get it. No, come on. Yes, honestly, I'm not just saying that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, but I like to play. I mean, I haven't, but I do, you know, it's, it's very different just playing alone acoustic, but I like it a lot. Do you play for your son? Yeah. All the time. I'm trying to get him interested in it and he likes to hit it. <laughs> I mean, he's almost five. It's not like he's like a, a one-year-old that, you know, I'm like, you could, you could mess with this thing. And I've got him little guitars and he, he kind of plays with them and, he 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 seems to kind of enjoy it. His his thing right now though is he he found a harmonica around that we had, and harmonica for kids is 
awesome because it actually just sounds like they know what they're doing. <laughs> like yeah. he, he walks around and plays it and it sounds like he knows what he's doing. That's right. Uh, it's pretty cool. So sometimes I'll play with him. I'll just play, you know, strum, strum the guitar and he'll kind of just blow in and out of the harmonica, but it, that's right. You know, it's got a vibe. I, I fantasize about that, you know, when, when it's time to have kids like getting to jam with them. And then, so for you next, you know, maybe tomorrow you should just put on blues traveler and tell him, play that. Yeah. <laughs> Study this. <laughs> uh, I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me. I'm just kidding. Well, he, his big thing is uh music from video games. The so blues traveler would be a welcome addition. <laughs> Show him Kingpin or something. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, it's always like the Mario brothers theme song and shit. You're like, okay. That's complex music. The Mario's the Mario Brothers theme is is no joke musically. Is it? Yeah, it's legit. Yeah, I mean you know better than me. I'm I I still never like I, it's so funny. I always think about that. It's like like you, Aaron, like musicians. Like you guys know your shit. Like you're talented. You can play different instruments really well. I am still much more of the camp of like I love music and like to participate and am not that great at, at it. You know what I mean? Yes, I do know what you mean, because it's exactly the same thing for me and film the other way around, except you know way more about music than I do <laughs> about making movies and what that takes. And so I totally get it. I, it's exactly the same thing for me with you. So that's why I have to punish you. With so many <laughs> questions, like an eight-year-old just being like, what's this like? What's that like? Do you, do you actually say action? And I want to know that. Do you actually no. say action? No. no. How does that work? No. How do you start the a scene? A, usually the AD says it. Oh. It's like, you know, it, it's very rarely. I think some directors probably do. I'm we sorry. Don't. I got to keep asking you it's, these stupid fucking questions because I'm an idiot. Well, no, but it's funny because, dude, on our first movie, that was actually, you know, you, you learn as you go. You know what I mean? It's not like, yeah. it's just, it is it's a lot like, it. if you're not, if you're not classically trained, you, you were trained like classically, right? Like you yeah. grew up learning music. Yeah. Like I didn't. So for me, it was like learning as I go, you know, it was like, Oh yeah. I can just kind of, and, and, and honestly, movies has been a lot like that where I, I remember so well on our first set, first like bigger set with like a bigger crew and an AD and stuff. He, he, he literally said, do you guys want to say action or do you want me to? <laughs> like, all right, great. <laughs> no, go for it. I have no interest. <laughs> and uh continuing with the uh stupid childish questions, do you actually have director's chairs that you sit in? Or are you a stander? We do we do well, I'm a stander, but we do have director's chair. Chairs. Are you a are you a pacer? No, I'm just like a like a if I sit down. I mean, sometimes I'll sit, I, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's like 50, 50, you know, it's like, sometimes it's nice to just sit there and there's a lot of downtime. So you sit in them, but, but I'm not like the, like, I will sit in this chair and do everything from this chair. It's like, this is just a place to sit for fucking five minutes so I can yeah. rest and then I'll go do all my shit. I'm such a pacer in the studio. I'll, Are you? oh my God, I will walk thousands of circles around a control room. Like while we're, is recording. it a nervous energy or does it help you like focus? I think my default mode is to have this innate core of nervous energy and mm -hmm. it doesn't have a separation from 
creative excitement or anxiety or happy emotions or stressful emotions. So yeah, like it probably is like an anxious energy because my mind is going and like, even now talking to you, it's extremely hard for me to not be pacing around because especially like having phone conversations, if I am to stay focused and present and engaged, I usually need to be pacing. Right. You know, I get that. If, if we were on the phone, if we weren't, you know, zooming, yeah. I'd probably be walking around. Yeah. But looking at your, uh, you and I, I joke about this, but you and bagel both have cherub like faces, you know, do, do we? Yeah. You guys have like angelic white boy faces <laughs> with like kind eyes, you know? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just look at, I just look at, uh, I don't know, but not, not Aaron as much, but like me and I just go, all right. It's I'm now, I, now I can see the, you know, you go from, you look one way for a long time and then all of a sudden you look another way. You're like, Oh, I look older now. There's, I don't know when that switch happened. Honestly, and I remember seeing it on people growing up. Yeah. And then now you go like, Oh, you, you, it's like a different person, but not a different person. I thought this when I saw you at bagels art show, but dude, you've aged amazing. You look fucking amazing for 43, dude. Are you kidding well, me? I, you look fucking incredible. Thanks man. It's just Asian, you know, default young shit. Great. <laughs> you look Thanks, great. Man. Well, I've taken up a lot of your Saturday night. There's so much more I want to ask you. And there's so much we didn't talk about with link 80 and stuff like that still. And I'll say to you what I say to so many people that come on the pod. I hope to have you on again. Anytime, uh, man. Maybe after the release of Scream, or maybe it'll be when you're working on your next project. But uh, I got to say, I'm so stoked to get to catch up with you. I'm so stoked for where your career has gotten to. And uh, I really appreciate you, bro. Thanks, man. That is so mutual. It's so good to catch up. I love that. I love that we're still friends. Hell yeah. Decades later. It's just like I still, I have this really, I got time for one quick little anecdote. Of I just course, remember all the time. Yeah, like I'm in no rush, but I, I just remember you coming over to Surfside, you know, 98 or whatever, 99. And, uh, I remember sitting on, we had that stupid fucking pool table in the middle of our kitchen where, you know, it was yeah. up against the walls. Like you couldn't totally. even use it. Totally. I don't, I don't know how it got there or whose it was or what it was. And that place was such a dump. And I just remember sitting on the pool table and we were listening to Elvis Costello. We were listening to radio. Mm-hmm. Do you have any memory of this? But I, I my, here's my memory. It's just that it was, it was this weird, like I, I, I can't remember if you had just found him or I had just found him, but it was like, we were having that experience of like, Hey, I've never really heard Elvis Costello before. And I, you know, within the last couple of weeks have started listening to this thing and listening to radio or radio, radio, whatever that song's called and being like, this is dope. And, uh, but it's funny that if you had told me then you guys are still going to be pros in 20 years, I would have been so stoked. Same. You know, just to know that. So dope. I totally feel the same way. I don't remember that particular event, but I clearly remember hanging with you in the kitchen and just the kind of 
it was just such a young college guy bachelor pad. It really was. It was a jump. Like, it was such a shithole. Empty alcohol bottle decorations in the kitchen. Everything. Yeah. Well, that was so weird. It was such a weird spot because it was like Zoe and I were in college and trying to go to school. And then everybody else were like in bands or like made shirts. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> yeah. so it was like part, part like college kids and part like band dudes co-mingling. I still don't know how that worked out. I mean, but. Santa Cruz at that time was so happening for a little isolated beach town. So many bands still came there. So many of us were kind of getting our start in life before branching out and all doing our own things. Yeah. And we were all loosely connected and at times tightly knit, you know, and it's, uh, honestly, I just feel really lucky. And even now, like at the few Same. times where I tell these stories about who was around and who all these people were around and, you know, it's like, it's hard for me to believe sometimes where I'm just like, all this stuff really happened. Like, I swear I lived it, you know, and other people have confirmed it, but. I agree. I just found a picture recently and I don't know who took it or I, I think it was at your house. We're making like a, a human pyramid. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It, With MU three thirty and the alkaline trio. It, yeah. Exactly. Yes. In the kitchen. Yeah. Exactly. And that was one of no, those. No, we're like on a is that, oh, the deck. It's like, it was the deck it's on out deck. Back. Yeah, it's you're deck. right. Yeah. We did it twice. Mike Mike had us do it once in the kitchen and Mike had us do it once outside on the deck too. So that's incredible. Um, is there anything that you would like to leave us with? Any like when the movie's coming out, anything you want to say? No, I mean, just thanks for having me, man. This has been a treat. I'd love to do it again. I'd love to just chat. Yeah, movie right. comes out next year, January 14th. Directed Hopefully, by... people will be back in theaters. We're, we're you know, we're, we're, hopefully hopefully past covid by then i mean fucking knows some people are already back in theaters anyway so you know it's gonna I be know. i know and, i know and oh i was just gonna say you know i don't watch horror movies anymore um but i can't wait to watch your movie well let me know what you think man i i'm curious <laughs> i'll definitely let you know but you know uh if I was going to watch a horror movie, it'll be this style and it'll be this one because after event horizon 20 years ago, I, I, it just completely ruined me. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Event horizon is fucking great. I mean, especially, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good last one then. Yeah. Like for reals, like people are like, have you seen midsummer? Have you seen all these? I'm like, Nope. You're like, Nope. I don't do that anymore. I can't do it. I learned my lesson. I just can't. I can't, I have an overactive imagination, but bro, I appreciate you. Much love. You too, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great to see you. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. 
Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.